Jeremiah chapter number 6. Been talking with a lot of folks the last, well, probably month, I would guess. Uh, and the subject of the time that we have left on this earth seems to be a topic that comes up quite often. The return of the Lord Jesus, I believe, is very, very soon. And I've often said, even if He tarries His return and doesn't come <clears throat> in my lifetime and I were to go by death, the truth of the matter is, uh, we don't have a lot of time. Life is a vapor, the Bible says. It appears for a little while and then vanisheth away. If there's something that we're going to do for the Lord, we need to, we need to be busy doing it. Brother Don Sisk, who uh, for many, many years was a missionary in Japan and has spoken all over, literally all over the world, in trying to encourage people to uh, be missions-hearted, missions-minded, often would make this statement. I don't know that it was original with him, but certainly I've heard him quote this many, many times. Only one life will soon be passed, and only what's done for Christ will last. We don't have a lot of time in this world. And uh, what time we do have, I hope and pray that we give it to the Lord and do the work that He's called us to do. Jeremiah chapter number 6, if you will. <clears throat> Jeremiah chapter 6. To give you the little bit of the background here, uh, the, uh, Jeremiah is a prophet to the southern kingdom, which is Judah. Uh, Judah is made up of two of the tribes of Israel. And uh, Judah was a fairly wicked uh, kingdom uh, and had certainly gone into idolatry. God's judgment uh, was often upon Judah. And Jeremiah, being the prophet that God often used to bring his message of uh, turning and repenting from their sin and and what they were doing, uh, Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet, uh, brokenhearted for his people. And as we get to verse number 1 of chapter 6, he says, O ye children of Benjamin, gather yourselves to flee out of the midst of Jerusalem and blow the trumpet in Tekoa, and set up a sign of fire in beth for evil appeareth out of the north and great destruction. I have likened the daughter of Zion to a comely and delicate woman. The shepherds with their flocks shall come unto her. They shall pitch their tents against her round about and shall feed everyone in his place. Prepare ye war against her. Arise and let us go up at noon. Woe unto us, for the day goeth away, for the shadows of the evening are stretched out. Arise and let us go by night and let us destroy her palaces, for thus hath the Lord of hosts said. Hew down trees and cast a mount against Jerusalem. This is the city to be visited. She is wholly oppressed in the midst of her. As a fountain casteth out her waters, so she casteth out her wickedness. Violence and spoil is heard in her. Before me continually is grief and wounds. Be thou instructed, O Jerusalem, lest my soul depart from thee lest I make thee desolate, a land not inhabited. 
Thus saith the Lord of hosts, They shall truly glean the remnant of Israel as a vine. Turn back thine hand as a grape gatherer into the baskets. To whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Behold, their ear is uncircumcised and they cannot hearken. Behold, the word of the Lord is unto them a reproach. They have no delight in it. Therefore, I am full of the fury of the Lord. I am weary with holding in. I will pour it out upon the children abroad and upon the assembly of young men together, for even the husband with the wife shall be taken, and the aged with him that is full of days. Their houses shall be turned unto others with their fields and wives together, for I will stretch out my hand upon the inhabitants of the land, saith the Lord. For from the least of them, even unto the greatest of them, everyone is given to covetousness. And from the prophet, even unto the priest, everyone dealeth falsely. They have healed also the hurt of the daughter of my people slightly, saying, Peace, peace. When there is no peace. Father, we come to you once again. And for the next few moments, Lord, I pray that you will do a work in our hearts. May our eyes be opened. Lord, we're living in such a day where we don't have time to sit around and wait for our consciences to be pricked and our eyes to be opened and our hearts to see. Father, may today be that day that we can understand. And may there be a decision in our hearts today that we're going to do what we can with the time that we have left to start a work for You in this world that we live in. Be able to be salt and light once again. To make a difference once again. May You stir our hearts. May You embolden us. May You strengthen us. Lord, above all, may You help us to have a heart that is yielded to the leading of Your Holy Spirit. Guide and direct us as we come to this passage today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jeremiah is certainly a man that is used of the Lord. And I would say this, Jeremiah is not some great influential man that came out of a great household. Jeremiah was just simply a man who was willing to be used of the Lord. And I know a lot of times as I was growing up, and I grew up in a, in a pastor's home. My dad was a pastor, and I grew up oftentimes as a young man thinking, I can't do the things that my... I would watch my dad preach, and I would watch him as he administrated the church and uh, all these things. I used to think, I, there's no way I could ever do some of those things. I... I look at those things, and I've talked with people over the years that feel like, boy, I just I want to do something for the Lord. I just don't know that I can. I remember a number of years ago, a young man in my youth department by the name of Michael came to me, and he said, he said, Brother Greg, I've got a great idea. He said, I think we had just started a little radio station there at the church, a little FM radio station in our community. And he said, i got a great idea. He said, I think somebody ought to 
take the Bible and just take one verse at a time, just go verse by verse for eight or ten minutes, twelve minutes a day on the on the radio station and just read the verse and then kind of give the sense of that verse and just work our way from Genesis all the way through to Revelation. I said, absolutely, Michael, when are you starting? He looked at me and he's got this funny look. He said, no, no, not me. I said, why not? God certainly put it on on his heart to do it. I said, why not? He said, because I'm too young. I began to think of that and I thought, how often in my life that I felt the Lord needing something to be done or wanting to use me for something, that I came up with some reason why I couldn't do it. Jeremiah is just a man who said, Lord, I'm here. If you need me, I'll do it. In fact, there was a time where Jeremiah got so, uh, so frustrated with the fact that people weren't listening to the message of God that he said, I'm not going to do it anymore. <laughs> I'm, going to, I'm not going to speak anymore in his name. But he said, it was shut up in me in my bones. He said, it burned like a fire. He said, I couldn't help but speak what God had given me to speak. And so he comes to the, the, the nation, the southern tribes of Judah, and he, he, says, he says, there's some things that God has for you, Judah. There's some problems you're facing that you're not, you're not dealing with, and God needs you to deal with these things. And as we get down to verse number 9, I want you to notice the message that God gives him to give to Judah. It says, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, They shall thoroughly glean the remnant of Israel as a vine. Turn back thine hand as a grape gatherer into the baskets. In other words, he's saying judgment's going to come to, to Judah. They're going to be plucked off the vine just like a grape gatherer. And notice he says in verse 10, To whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Behold, their ear is uncircumcised that they cannot hearken. Behold, the word of the Lord is unto them a reproach. They have no delight in it. Can I tell you, we're living in a day and a time where I think this verse certainly sums up the attitude of our society today. We have people who will not hear. They don't desire to hear. We have folks that are not going to listen to the word of God. I was, I was appalled this week as I came across a thing that apparently has been something recent that somebody came out with. And it's a, it's, a, it's a cartoonish thing that's made on a YouTube and it's sent out for kids to watch. And the title of it is Satan's Guide to the Bible. One of the most blasphemous things of work I've ever seen is geared for young people. It's geared for kids. And how they're trying to get kids to doubt Scripture and to doubt the Bible. And that, 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 uh, that the whole gist of it is that preachers and, and people that know the Bible, they know these things. They're just hiding it from you and they're keeping it from you. And they're trying to make kids think that they're being tricked and to despise and to hate the Scriptures. And folks, I'm, I was sitting there with tears coming down my face as I realized this thing is something that was going viral around the country and around the world. Young people watching this thing and swallowing it hook, line, and sinker. And we're living in a day where, as, as Jeremiah said, how, are we, how am I going to say these things? They have ears that are uncircumcised. They're not going to listen to it. There's a Word of God that's there, but they despise that Word. They don't like it. They're going to reject it. And folks, we're living in that day 
where we can understand where Jeremiah is coming from. We understand his frustration. We understand his sorrow. But I want to encourage you in this. Jeremiah took the message that God had and he proclaimed it anyway. I oftentimes hear people say, well, pastor, there's no reason to go out here and tell people about the gospel. They're not going to listen to me. Let me help you with something. The people that won't listen to you, they won't listen to you. But the people that will, they will. You say, Pastor, that's so simple. But the truth is we allow our frustration, our discouragement, our understanding that we're living in a world that doesn't listen. We're living in a world that despises the Word of God. And we throw our hands up in frustration and in hopelessness and say, there's no use. Jeremiah says, no, no. I'm frustrated by those things. But notice what it says here in verse number 11, verse number 10. He says, their ear is uncircumcised that they cannot hearken. Behold, the word of the Lord is unto them a reproach and they have no delight in it. I'm sitting here telling you about a society we live in today that is so easily described by this, but the sad thing is this, that this description does not just fit unsaved people in our society today. Sadly, this description fits even people who claim to know the Lord Jesus as their Savior. Even churches that proclaim the fact that they are preachers of the Word of God. That they are entrusted with the gospel of the Lord Jesus to, to take it to a lost and a dying world. That there are preachers standing in churches today, so-called, that will stand up and they will say that, that these are a reproach. They'll find ways to not use the, the truth of Scripture. And they'll say, well, I know that the Bible says this. However, as a society, we want to be better. And so they'll change the truth of Scripture to follow the dictates of society. And they take no delight. No delight. I saw an interview just the other week of a pastor at a Southern Baptist church that was flying the rainbow flag. The man came up and interviewed him. It was amazing. I was appalled to hear the words that this pastor said. The young man kept bringing up Scripture and the, the actual words of the, of the pastor, I think I'm going to have it almost word for word what he said. You can't bring the Bible into everything. Folks, if this is not our source of truth, what is? What is? They take no delight in the Word of God. He says, therefore, I am full of fury of the Lord. I am weary of withholding in all that we could ever get to this place where we finally get so fed up and so tired of it that we are weary of holding it in. The Bible says as we get over to verse number 13, For from the least of them, even unto the greatest of them, everyone is given to covetousness. And from the prophet, even to the priest, everyone dealeth what? We're talking about even the religious leaders of their day. Those that the people were supposed to look to, 
to be pointed to God were dealing falsely because of their covetousness. And one of the saddest statements, I think, of, of Scripture, we find as we get to verse number, uh, uh, verse number 14, the Bible says this, They have healed also the hurt of the daughter of my people. And I want you to notice the next word, slightly. Slightly. Saying peace, peace, when there is no peace. For people to get up in the pulpits of churches and say, uh, folks, let's just all get along. Let's just all love everybody. And let's not talk about sin. And let's not talk about things that are controversial and that would be in the Bible. But we don't want to talk about them because it causes people to get angry. Can I tell you, people don't need to be soothed. They need to be told the truth. They don't need to have their consciences brushed over and made to feel good. They need to know the truth. And folks, I'm not out to say we ought to be out here to be offensive for the sake of being offensive. But we must not, we must not get to the place where we fail to declare the counsel of God's Word simply because we're worried that somebody's going to be hurt by it. These religious leaders in Judah, men that were the leaders of the nation, men that were supposed to help point the entire nation to God, were corrupt. And the Bible says that they healed the hurt of the daughter of Zion slightly. They brushed over on it. They made them feel good. There's a lot of that going on in the day, isn't there? Folks, if there's any time in history that we can look back and say we are at the same place that Judah was, when God brought judgment upon them, I would have to say that America is in that situation today. Notice what the Bible says as we get to verse 15. It says, Were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? Nay. They were not at all ashamed, neither could they blush. Therefore, they shall fall among them that fall. At the time that I visit them, they shall be cast down, saith the Lord. Were they ashamed of their sin? Were they ashamed of this issue? Not at all. We, I was talking with somebody the other week, and I said, you know, in my lifetime, we've gotten to the place where things that used to be sinful, things we didn't even, in our churches and in our, in our homes, we didn't, even, we didn't even discuss them, they were so sinful. They were so wicked and so ungodly, we didn't even bring the subject matter up. And, and in my lifetime, I've watched as not only has it not become that sinful anymore, it's now become accepted. And it's not only been accepted, we're at a place now where it's gone even beyond just being accepted. We're now at a place where it is now celebrated. And it is lifted up. And it is honored. And I'm not talking about in the wickedness of ungodly world that we live in. I'm talking about in the pews of our churches. We are celebrating sin. We're lifting it up. We're honoring it. We're having pride days. We're having days where we honor. We bring people to the pulpit that are in that lifestyle and living in that open, blatant sin that is an abomination to God. And they stand in our pulpits and we give them plaques and we give them accolades and we honor them. 
Folks, we're living in a very dire time. They were not ashamed when they had committed this abomination. This is where Judah was at. Neither could they blush. Therefore, they shall fall among them that fall. At the time that I visit them, they shall be cast down, saith the Lord. You say, Pastor, that's exactly where we are. What can we do? What can we do? I'm thankful that the Bible doesn't just tell us when we're wrong. It tells us how to make it right. And I could stand here today and tell you what Greg Boer thinks we ought to do to make things better. But the truth is, I I don't have any authority in that area. I'm thankful the Bible does. And God uses Jeremiah not only to lay out the plight, the situation that Judah found itself in, but He tells Jeremiah, here's what they need to do to fix the problem. Let's see what it says, verse number 16, if you will. Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways, and see... And ask for the old paths, where is the good way, and walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. There are several things that it says here. First of all, it says that we're to uh, stand. If you have a pen and you underline in things in your Bible, you ought to underline that word, stand. Secondly, you'll see a word, see. Then you'll see a word, ask. And then you'll see a word, walk. You'll underline each of those words. Now, he's going to be dealing here with what Jeremiah refers to here as the old paths. The old paths were the way that the nation of Judah used to be. Before they went into idolatry, before they got to this place of having covetousness where even the great and the, and the little ones were, were all about covetousness, even before the priests and the prophets had, had healed the herd of the daughters of, of, of Judah slightly, before that time, when they were on fire for the Lord, when they worshipped the Lord, when they loved the Lord, when they had Him and Him alone as their God, the old ways... The ways that God had given them to live. These are the ways that God is saying you need to go back to those. Now notice he says a couple of things here. By the way, you say, well, Pastor, what are those ways? We have them in this book right here. The moral compass of a society is not found in its laws. It's found in the Bible. The moral center of any people is not because they legislate morality, but because they teach and preach the moral law of God. And God does a transforming work in the heart of a man. These old paths, the truths of Scripture, if the Bible says it's right, then it's right. If the Bible says it's wrong, then it's wrong. 
And you don't sit here and say, well, uh, the Bible teaches this, but, you know, society, we've, we've developed in 2,000 years, or we've developed in 4,000 years, and we're, we're different. We've advanced. Can I tell you, this book is an eternal book. It's as much important today as it was the day it was written. These old paths, these old ways. Notice what the Bible says here. There's four things. First of all, it says, stand ye in the ways. Stand ye in the ways. You know, the Bible tells us that we're supposed to be studying and learning doctrine of God's Word. The reason that God tells us that we're to study and to know the doctrine of God's Word is so that we are not as children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. That, that we're not blown about. That there's not, uh, there's not a double-mindedness to us. But there's a, there's a stability. There's an anchor. There's a, a steadiness. God tells Jeremiah, He tells these folks in Judah, He says, listen, y'all need to find those old ways and you need to stand in them. You need to you need to be steadfast and don't move off of them again. You don't you don't sit here and go to go to some college or seminary and learn how to explain the Bible away. You take the Bible and you take it for the truth that it is, and you say, "On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand." The Bible stands like a rock, undaunted mid the raging storms of times. It's truth eternal. It's truth. It's pure. Its truth is inerrant, infallible, and it's something I can anchor my life to. And God says, go back to that and stand in it. Stand in it. Don't be deterred. I know, I know it's difficult when ridiculed. I know it's difficult when persecuted. But I'll tell you this. We live in a day where we think persecution is somebody making fun of us for wearing the clothing we wear. We think that's being persecuted. We think persecution is somebody making fun of us because we don't, we don't go to places on Sunday, we're going to church on Sunday. We think that's persecution. Folks, can I tell you this? We have not even touched on persecution. We may be inconvenienced. We may have people hurt our feelings. What does it take to make us not stand? In the old ways, seek the old paths. Notice what he says here, verse number 16. We're supposed to stand in the ways. What ways are these? The ways of God. The Bible tells us in Psalm 119, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. In Hebrews chapter 12, that we're, verse number 2, that we're to run with patience the race that is set before us. God has a way. He has a plan. He has a path. He has a way for us. For us. <coughs> we must stand in that way. Notice he says, secondly, we need to see. <coughs> we need to see. Can I tell you this? That until we come to God's Word and seek its wisdom, our eyes are blinded. To spiritual truth. Now hold your place here for a moment. Turn over just a few chapters. The first chapter number 17. I know I've used this passage before. <clears throat> Jeremiah chapter 17. Verse number 5. Jeremiah chapter 17. Verse number 5. 
Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. For he shall be like the heath in the desert. And what are the next three words here? Shall not see when good cometh, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness and the salt land and not inhabit. This man is blind. Now notice what it says here, verse number 7. It says, Blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord, and in whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters, that spreadeth out her roots by the river, and shall not see. Here it is again, that same phrase, shall not see. This man is blind also. <coughs> you say, well, pastor, what's the point? The point is what they are blind to. The carnal man is one who is blind and cannot see when the good cometh. The blessed man that trusteth in the Lord and in whose hope the Lord is, is blind and cannot see when the evil cometh. His eyes are opened to the things of the Lord. The Bible speaks of the fact in the New Testament that the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. <clears throat> and I will say this, that any Christian that does not pour themselves into reading and studying and knowing God's Word is a Christian who at best is blind. They're blind. They don't see. This is where you get spiritual leaders that heal the hurt of the daughter of God's people slightly. Why? They have no truth to give the people. They have no truth to give to the people. So we need to stand in the ways. And as we stand in the ways, we need to ask God to give us illumination that we can have our eyes open and see what's going on around us, that we can see the truth of God's Word. We can have understanding not only of where we are, but where we ought to be. And then he says in verse number 16, not only should we stand and see, but secondly, or thirdly, we should ask for the old paths. You know what that, you know what that tells me? That as I read the Bible, I go back to the old paths. It allows me to see things that I couldn't see before. And when I see things that I could not see before from God's Word, I begin to have a desire for more of it. And now I'm not just standing there and I'm not just looking at the Bible. I'm saying, boy, I see this and I want more of it. Help me to see more of it. I begin to develop a hunger and a thirst for the things of God. Not only am I standing in the ways, not only am I seeing the ways, now I'm like, Lord, I want more of these ways. Help me to see it. He says, stand ye in the ways and see and ask for the old paths where is the good way. And you can do all of these things. You can stand in the Word of God. You can see the truth of the Word of God. It can create a hunger and a thirst for more truth of the Word of God. But all of that is useless if we do not do the fourth thing. And walk therein. 
I'm going to tell you one of the hardest things this pastor has had to do in his life is not to study the Bible. One of the hardest things this pastor has had to do in his life has not been to have understanding of the Bible. One of the hardest things this pastor has had to do is to submit myself to be obedient to the Bible. I've often mentioned to young people over the years as they would come to the altars many times, scores of them, hundreds of them at a time even, in some of the youth rallies and youth meetings we've had over the years. And they weep and they cry sometimes for 20, 30 minutes at an altar and then get up and go to their seats to look at those young people and say the easy part is what you just did. Now it's going to get real hard. Because now you've got to walk out of the doors and you've got to live the decision you just made. I don't know if it's the same for you all as it has been for me in my life, but I'll tell you this. It's been one of the hardest things this pastor's ever had to do over the years. When God has made something so apparent in my life, and I've made that decision for Him to get up the next day and live it. And then to get up the next day and live it again. And again and again. Jeremiah comes to the nation of Judah and he says, We're in a mess. We are in a mess. From the least to the greatest, we're all given to covetousness and wickedness. From the priest to the prophet, we're all guilty for healing the people slightly. Here's what God says we've got to do. We need to stand in the ways and see and ask for the old paths and walk therein. And when I say that seeing, standing, and asking are not good enough, we also have to walk. And if we don't walk, the other three are useless to us. You say, why would you say that? Because I want you to notice what the response of Judah was. We get to verse 16. He says, Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways, and see, and ask for the old paths, where is the good way? And walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk therein. He goes on to say this, Also I set watchmen over you, saying, Hearken to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, we will not hearken. Folks, we're living in a day where I would be real frank with you. We are at least as bad as Judah. Quite possibly worse. 
And God's message to God's people is, stand in the ways and ask. See and walk therein. And the choice you and I have to make, not just here at 12 o'clock, at Keith Heights Baptist Church, but every moment of every day. The answer that we must come to, the decision we must make, is, Lord, I will walk therein. I don't want to be like Judah. I don't want to have a message so pointedly given to me from Scripture. To see the truth of it. To hear the prophet of God speak this thing. And for me to say, I will not walk therein. I want to say, yes, Lord. Our, our country is in a mess. Our society is in a mess. Our churches are in a mess. Our preachers around the country are in a mess. So, Lord, help me to stand. I want to stand in the ways. I want to see. I want to ask for the old paths so I can walk in them. May God help us to be salt and light again. The answers for our country, I've said so often, are not in Washington, D.C. We're not going to legislate morality. I'm as frustrated with the direction our country has gone and the morality that it has as anyone sitting here today. But we're not going to solve it by legislating it away. We're going to solve it when God's people stand in the ways and see and ask for the old paths and then walk in them. Let's stand together, shall we, with heads bowed?